Here it comes. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> My sinuses will never come home. Gross. I don't get it. so gross. <laughs> so sorry. Welcome to I Don't Get It, a podcast about contemporary dance in Edmonton. I'm Paul, the sick one. And I'm Fonda, the only slightly healthier one. <laughs> right. Um, I, I definitely have a sinus infection I'm currently working through. Oh, God. So this is going to be a real sniffly podcast, everybody. I hope that whatever you have doesn't, like, incubate in the blanket fort and <laughs> also, like, sick me with a, a second yeah, cold because I just got over. One, well, so, yeah. I, I feel like I've had this for long enough that I shouldn't be contagious, but um, all right. Well, I well, shouldn't not <laughs> knocking on this wood. <laughs> it is real wood. The blanket yeah. fort is made of wood. Anyway, um, well, despite your your um illness, you have been up to quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, you you were away. Um, mm-hmm. and and while you were away, uh, myself and and Andrew, the podcast producer, uh, went and checked out. Uh, everything we could at the uh, Chinook series. At Chinook series, there's no the. No the like um, ice district. Like ice district. Yeah. No the Chinook <laughs> series, um, which I think equated to be three more shows than than you ended up seeing. And we talked yeah. about it on our last podcast. So it was the Coast to Coast program we saw, and the uh, mouthpiece, which was more of the uh, more of a theater piece than a dance piece, but worth talking about certainly. And then uh, the yellow wallpaper as well, mm-hmm. um, which was part of the expanse part of Chinook series. Now the Coast to Coast show was actually what three or four it smaller was four, shows. Four, yeah, yeah, it was sort of. Um, taking the place of what Expanse had formerly, I think, called Raw, but it's it's Short's program where um, in, in, one, in one session you would get to see a bunch of different works from different places. So there were four in this one, and they spanned, as the name implies, uh, the country, and uh, yeah, including starting uh, right here in Edmonton. Cool. So, well, who were, um, I know Anastasia Maywood, who got, received the Good Women's New Work Award last year, mm-hmm. was, um, was one of the pieces in Coast to Coast. So what was that? What was her piece Yeah, like? yeah. So that was, that was the first one in the program. And uh, it featured uh, three, three dancers. Um, uh, and it, it began with, I guess, a, a song and then with their, their backs to you, to the audience, um, in dresses with, with suitcases, these, these big, um, these big bulky suitcases, uh, swaying while this song played. And then it sort of, uh, seemed to become an exploration and, uh, uh, a look at the sense of, of leaving things behind and, and also the baggage we carry with us in, in the places we go. Uh, my vibe was that it sort of had this, uh, partly because of the music that was chosen in the piece, which, um, varied from the, from that song to, to what felt like either, either accordion or, or fiddle, uh, at times. Um, it sort of had a sense of, of, uh, immigration and coming to a brand new place, but it, it also varied from each of the, the characters in this piece. All three women sort of, uh, moved and, uh, and had a different sort of, uh, energy they were bringing to that idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so speaking of the, the Good Women's New Work Award, I think one of the dances in Anastasia's piece was the winner of this year's award? That's correct, yeah. Um, it was Amy, Amy Rushton, um... Yeah, yeah, totally was. Uh, totally was. Um, she won it for this piece because when they announced it, uh, she came out like from the wings, ready, oh, okay, ready to okay. dance in the piece um, to to accept. Um, yeah, and and the movement was um, 
Uh, it had sort of uh, started wing those sways. There were some elements of, of clown I felt uh, filtered into it in the sense of, I know Anastasia has a background in that, and there were uh, these moments when, when there were sort of, with the suitcases, uh, played almost like uh, physical comedy or even physical drama at times, but just sort of juggling these big bulky cases or, or one dancer ending up with all three and trying to, trying to stay on, on her feet and, you know, not supplanted by all this baggage um, and, and things like that. Um, yeah, it was interesting. It was a, it was a cool, it was a cool work. And I, uh, I look forward to seeing more of what Anastasia is cooking up. I think one of the pieces that we saw with Anastasia of Anastasia's last year, an independently produced piece, I don't recall the title right now, but she also, had a heavy use of props in that she used mm -hmm. um jars with candles or yeah 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 it was part there. of that yeah um the double bill she did back uh last september two septembers ago or yeah, two with, two falls ago with, with krista, krista who danced in this piece yes yes um yeah. i also saw i had to ask about um and also in the coast to coast piece there's a piece called half inch thick and yes. i wanted to know about that one. yeah yeah it was uh it was it was great um it was i think you would call it vancouver based but maybe a vancouver montreal collaboration so it was uh created and performed by uh stephanie moran robert uh, and Alistair Knowles. Um, Stephanie is a dancer who's come through town uh, at the Fringe the past few years with mm -hmm. her company for Body and Light, uh, who've been gotten a ton of great reviews and, and praise uh, while they're here. Um, she also runs a, a podcast about dance in Montreal. Yeah, so we yeah, know we've, her. We've chatted with yeah. Stephanie before. Um, and Alistair Knowles is part of a, a physical comedy troupe called James and Jamesy. Um, they've also come to the fringe before. Um, and so it's an interesting pairing of someone who has more of a contemporary dance background and someone who has more of a, a clown background. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it was a, it, they meshed very nicely in this piece. It started with, uh, what felt like a clown turn where, um, we had them, these, them coming out in these sort of overcoats over their head and, you know, turning out to the audience and directly acknowledging them with this, this lamp, um, as the, as the source of light. And then, um, you know, coming together and then one set of hands was trying to do up buttons while the other one was sort of undoing them as they went. So <laughs> there's playing a lot of physical comedy. And then this, uh, the half inch thick referred to a, uh, a plywood board that was also part of their, their set that, that got ample use throughout the show, I guess, where, uh, either Stephanie would sometimes brace and, and spin with it around her. And then, and at one point, uh, she sort of, uh, fell back as it was falling and caught it with her legs and caught it right in the center of gravity and it suddenly was a table which Alistair put a lamp on top of and uh, and and suddenly and then you know she was no longer illuminated at all so the illusion of it being a table seemed very real well he was reading from this book of like artist platitudes I guess sort of like <laughs> how to make art but they were these sort of um, you know these phrases like you know the world the the rules work until you until you need to break one you know until they don't just uh, don't break any rules until you have to like these sort of like empty encouraging creative statements mm -hmm. um, you know that sometimes seemed to matter there was a part about you know. Uh, trying not to add multiple endings as they were clearly ending the show and refusing to <laughs> to go directly to the end. But it was fun. It was this really interesting mix of physical comedy and, and contemporary dance that I don't think I've seen uh, paired so strongly before mm -hmm. and so directly, and I think it, it worked very well. So how do you think that the the clown and the, the actual, um, the, the clowning and the comedy, how do you think that impacted the movement that Stephanie was doing? Sure. Um, well, I think more than anything, it impacted the atmosphere in the room. Mm -hmm. um, we, uh, we interviewed uh, Stephanie and, and Alistair, 
and and one of the things we talked about in that uh, interview was was permission and what you know how much permission clown gives an audience mm-hmm. to you know to know we're we're uh, they're aware of us in the space as they're performing and sort of the fun that adds to it and so i think it i think more than anything um that sense of clown especially when you started with what was basically a clown turn just having these two characters come out and interact with each other in the audience uh set that atmosphere so then when the movement was happening in these sort of almost magical magical realism moments of like becoming a table and mm-hmm. and things like that were playing out um, there was such an air of like you were already so connected with the performers that it was it was you were really interested in what they were going to do and how they were going to interact with the things that were going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to ask about the edges of things are ill-defined too because I did interview Julianne Chapel, the okay. choreographer mm-hmm. uh, beforehand. Didn't get to see the piece, but she said that the um, they were playing with light. It meant to be kind of like a bit of a, a psychological Rorschach test. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say um, so. The two middle pieces, I guess, uh, Anastasia's was first, and uh, Half Inch Thick was last. And these two middle pieces both uh, basically featured uh, a single light and dancers sort of um, making use of a limited light palette and a limited light space. Um, and Royal was uh, just to touch on that before we go into the other one. Mm-hmm. Um, started with uh, had sort of these these repetitions of movements and these patterns that would build, and the dancer sort of started illuminated, but like splayed with her back to the uh, facing the audience, and these sort of like rhythms of movement almost eventually animated her. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was uh, it sort of I guess found uh, a pretty stable energy throughout. I would say um, I would have liked to see maybe more change, but it seemed like. Um, the, it was about these patterns getting built um, and, and seeing where they would sort of slowly build to and seemed very physically exerting to perform, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the setup was sort of similar in the sense of the edges of spaces are ill-defined in that we have a single light on stage and this time we have two dancers and they're sort of um, moving together uh, in these sort of like the pockets of light they pick up and sort of their silhouettes and and sometimes you know they're, they're they seem always connected there's almost always a, a physical connection uh, it felt very intimate it felt sort of like you were you were like uh, there was there was a certain voyeuristic element to it mm-hmm. I felt like it felt intimate and almost lover-ish as the two characters um, I don't know if that was the intention or not but that's how it how it read and so to just catch these sort of like nighttime glances of these movements and bodies sort of tangled and moving together um, had that intimacy but the interesting thing on this one was that um, the light would move there was a third person who I think was the choreographer um, who wasn't uh, in the piece and that would maybe be an interesting thing to see explored further in the piece Um, but she would uh, move the light oh. um, so, so eventually the shadow she just, would shift and change yeah so eventually she, she moved it once and then eventually started just walking very slowly sort of in sort of a half arc around the space so the movement and where that light was based changed and how the edges we would catch of these two were changed and um, a very physical piece. The the sort of like movements they were doing together seemed very um, a mix of, of flippy and and sort of physically taxing as well, uh, which was cool. But yeah, it felt uh, intimate and and really engaging, um, especially for being the sort of the second piece in a row that featured a similar setup of like mostly in the dark, a soundtrack that was pretty uh, similar the whole time and like pretty low key. Generally, um, it was really intriguing in that way. 
Hmm. Yeah, so the Coast to Coast program was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then Mouthpiece was the next one we caught, which was by the quote unquote collective from Toronto, and was more of a was a was more of a theater piece, um, I'd say, than a dance piece, but was a, a phenomenal uh, thing to see. Um, that featured these two uh, women. I think they they were both effectively the same character. Sometimes they'd be talking to each other. Sometimes it would be like one was the other's thoughts. Sometimes they would be speaking in unison. Um, all about this, this, uh, this woman's mother dies and she's trying to figure out how to write this eulogy about her mother and, you know, what part to represent and how to represent her and, you know, how not to be false in it. And, um, and it sort of, uh, becomes, it's very, uh, there's a lot of music to it. They, the two of them sing like uh, mostly acapella, but mm-hmm. um, with very, very strong voices. It starts in the dark with just sort of almost what feels like a hymn. Um, uh, there's there's some moments of, of fun where they get the uh, there's a their prop is a bathtub effectively. That's the only yeah. set piece, uh, and they get audience members to move it sort of back and forth and back and forth and do things they could easily do themselves. Um, and in fact, at one point, they get them to move it uh, and then send them back to their seats and then immediately just move it back to, to where they really wanted it. <laughs> um, so there were these moments, but the the impact of it really came when it started to circle around uh, perspective and and uh, how the female perspective and is is boxed in in so many ways, mm-hmm. starting with this the the character having the sh- this shared character having a revelation of uh, my mother never uh, ordered French fries because uh, she didn't want. Uh, to get fat because of the the perceptions of that, and then uh, conversely, um, her realizing that she always orders French fries as a reaction to that, but still because because she wants people to think of her in a certain way, hmm, and yeah. so it becomes <laughs> about how trapped you are in perspectives as mm-hmm. as a as a woman and as an artist and mm-hmm. as a well, and how um, trapped you are in perspective of uh, a woman's body as well, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, speaking, you know, I mean, I, even the image of a bathtub, of course, brings uh, up the image of just the body naked as, mm-hmm. as itself. So, um, how did the body figure into this? How did the what did the movement look like? Um, it was there were sort of moments of of choreography where. Uh, I'd say one of the most prominent moments was uh, at the end where the, it had sort of uh, spiraled into these these two elements of the same character arguing about how can they how can they do anything effectively you know if you do it this way people are going to think this this and this about you but if you do it this way this this and this you know and if you comment on that people are going to think you're this and if you don't comment on it you're gonna people are going to think you're this and there's this moment where the other prop sorry there's a there's a bathtub and there's also a microphone mm. and uh periodically some of the women uh of the two women um they will sort of uh fight for the microphone throughout the show one will run towards it and the other will throw the other o- sort of away and then do whatever the next bit is but the, it comes into this cycle of reaching for the microphone throwing away the other person the the person who threw them away reaching for the microphone getting thrown away and sort of spiraling to that and to the point when even when they're not being thrown away, they can't reach the microphone. And mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it was, uh, I would say, um, yeah, it factored in prominently in that and just in considerations of the body and how it talked about the body as much as, as how it was shown um, was, was powerful. It was great. It was, it was a really um, strong piece that really showed just how hard it is to um, do something authentic that isn't going to be... Uh, put into a box of how we like to think of people based on certain actions we know that this kind of person makes or this kind of person makes, and, right. and women in particular, mm-hmm. and how difficult it is. 
Well, there's that juxtaposition of body and voice, or at least voices that get heard, mm -hmm. right? And so, well, I guess hence the name mouthpiece. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, interesting. Totally. I'm sad that I missed that one. Yeah, well, <laughs> you should be. <laughs> well, there was one more that you saw. Um, the yeah, yellow wallpaper yellow based wallpaper. on the much-loved short story from all of our high schools and English 101 classes. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, the yellow wallpaper is a story of a, of a woman, I think, in... in sort of Victorian era, or at least like, um, at least a hundred or so years ago, um, who is sort of been brought to this country estate by her husband, who is a doctor, because she needs rest, because she has uh, hysteria. Um, and hysteria, hysteria, air quotes. Air, they're big hysteria. air quotes around hysteria. <laughs> um, you know, and all she wants to do is write, but her, her husband tells her she can't, and she's confined to this one room, and she's not allowed to leave. And there's this gaudy yellow wallpaper throughout the room. And it uh, in the the story, it sort of basically drives her mad. Eventually, mm -hmm. she sort of the fact that she's not allowed to express herself, the fact that she has no uh, voice in the matter um, of her own state and what she wants is being totally ignored. Um, and all she has is this this ridiculous wallpaper to stare at. Eventually, she sees shapes and and shadows moving, and and a woman a woman's shadow moving behind this wallpaper. Um, spoiler alert, but also if you haven't read it, you know, <laughs> feel like a hundred years on if a short story. If you haven't read it, you're probably still like in junior high school. In which case, <laughs> welcome to a podcast, yeah, I guess. Yeah, hello. Um, mm -hmm. Well, so what was the, um, this this piece was choreographed by Laura Kruski, who mm -hmm. is a local, um, she she often does a lot of the big theater shows that we see um, in, at, you know, at the Citadel, and I know she's choreographed for Free Will Shakespeare and things yeah. like that. Before. So I would say the movement was sort of balletic, um, was was the, the basic. It was sort of like a mix of ballet and, and that sort of ballet pantomime is how I would, I guess, describe it, where um, gesture and, and long arm extension and is, is really, and, and big sort of uh, leg movements and stepping up almost in point, not in the shoes, but with those sorts of movements of the body and sort of line work and trying to go in these, be in these beautiful movements um, was sort of the, the movement style of it. I... I had some some issues with with this one in that and sort of the issue of like clarity of adapting this this story to this style of storytelling mm. and I'm not quite sure it worked in this case and and the reason being um, I think the I guess two twofold one was was the clarity and off the top it starts with a, a quote that's spoken um, or, or played I, I forget now um, that's sort of probably the first couple lines of the book that basically sets up the premise. And it sets up uh, three characters. It sets up the woman and her husband, who's the doctor, and I believe his sister is the is the other one. And then there's there's four dancers in the piece, and uh, the fourth dancer isn't really explained or or brought into that that narrative style. So um, that was a little uh, that was a little confusing off the top. And then it is a pretty heady story. The mm -hmm. thoughts and the ideas behind it are pretty um, uh, the workings of the mind. And I felt like. Um, maybe that sort of pantomime gesture style wasn't great at conveying the depths of that. Mm -hmm. It felt like um, there was a lot of repetition in the movements and the cycles and a woman sort of being chased around the, the room by, by the, the sister the, who wants her to have rest or a doctor, you know, taking away her diary and these sorts of things. But very little changed throughout that that didn't seem like her, her descent, I guess, into, into madness. Um, <laughs> which actually does happen in the yeah, story. Yeah, <laughs> which happens in the, in the story. Mm -hmm. um, uh, felt uh, very telegraphed rather than felt, I guess. Mm -hmm. And that's what I felt like with that sort of gestural style um, and this sort of story that's so much about 
uh, the psychology and, and that. I'm not sure it really came through in, mm-hmm. in a very clear way. Well, so I mean, we're both sort we're both students of of literature. We're sure. ri- writers by trade. One of us has so, an unfinished English degree. <laughs> and well, and this is um, I mean, it's not really the first time that we've seen a choreographer or a group of dancers take a text mm-hmm. and 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 try and and work with that on the stage. So, um, so what do you think might be important about taking text and and transferring it to movement? Um, I think uh, f- finding the like the the ways to like I guess with this one uh, it felt like the performance of it was very um, big and gestural and even the music was sort of intense strings pretty much the whole time and so to to find the the depths of that story uh, it was very hard for it to come through because everything was sort of very much the same note um, it felt there were there were a couple moments of changes and you know uh, there were some uh, there was a big projection wall that that eventually spoiler alert uh, eventually the the shadowy woman bursts through which was oh, cool she comes out of the yeah wallpaper. which was probably Whoa. like um, <laughs> my favorite part of the the thing um, of the whole the whole piece um, but um, yeah I think just finding uh, making sure the form is still getting to the emotional core of the content and that that's translating. Like in this one, again, I think that what got uh, caught up for me was that I wasn't getting the, the emotional depths that were there um, from, from the movement and the choreography. Um, and maybe, you know, and if I hadn't read the story, I have read the story, you know, in, in high school and then again in, in university. Um, if I hadn't read it, I think I wouldn't... I, uh, there, there would be still confusion on on some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, there would be more confusion on that. But even having read it, there were still things I wasn't sure about what they were getting at. And mm-hmm. you know, I feel like a piece of art still has to whatever it's drawing its source material from still has to be able to stand on its own in that way without a sense, a full knowledge of of whatever the 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 piece was. So I feel like this one was for people who knew the yellow wallpaper very well already, mm-hmm. um, and and wanted to see sort of so it accompanied by beautiful movement. Um, which which was beautiful. The, the movement itself was was very beautiful. I'm just not sure it was effective at conveying this story. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I guess that would be... Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, I remember, the, you know, I'm also I'm sad that I missed this one, but mm-hmm. I, because I did, I saw it in the program, I thought, oh, man, I love the yellow wallpaper Totally, yeah, story. yeah. Like, it was a very, it was and a it, very emotional a, story. Yeah. To a full house, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, I love that that and mouthpiece both, both explored, um, you know, female identity and agency and, and, and the ways those are restricted in culture and, and mm-hmm. sort of, um, uh, yeah, yeah. But it, yeah, one worked very well for me and one didn't work so well for me. Right. Yeah. Well, you said it played to a full house and I'm just yeah. curious because I kind of, I, well, I missed a, a huge chunk of it, but, um, Expanse moving into Chinook series mm. now. Um, how do you, what do you think it did? How, how do you think it's gonna, it's gonna go for them? From an outside perspective, I think it seemed, uh, very well. It seemed like, uh, audiences were there for the shows in numbers that I don't think I've seen at Expanse or, or at Canoe, which is the theater festival component that's now merged with uh merged with expanse to become chinook mm-hmm. um i think both of them uh, as festivals had sort of had smaller houses the last few years and this felt way up it felt like the art that was coming out was very on both sides was very interesting and and dynamic and and relevant um and uh and yeah so i think it uh it was it was good i think i imagine absolutely it'll stay being set in the arts burns mm-hmm. Um, it felt busier even in the off times because the the bar was open and there was 
lobby performances that, you know, kept the space animated and... Yeah, I get the feeling that Edmonton has kind of finally stepped up to that high-performance rodeo Mm. territory where we have a great multidisciplinary arts festival that happens in the dead of winter, which is just when we need it. Right, yeah. (laughs) And it's like, you know what, I think they had a... It seemed like they had a great year, so I assume that'll mean... Um, you know, a lot of great buzz for artists wanting to come to the next one. And I, yeah, I, my, the hope is that, you know, it absolutely will sort of establish itself as this, this festival of really, uh, per- provocative and, and risk-taking art, mm-hmm. um, that, that audiences do come to, that audiences do come check out. It's not just playing to, to artists, it's playing to, to big houses. Yeah, yeah. Well, great. Well, you did, you did a really good job, Paul. <laughs> Thanks. All sniffles. Yeah, all sniffles. You've had sniffles since you saw yeah, like, well, the yellow wallpaper, well, I, I heard. I, was, I had a regular cold then, and then I the next day after the yellow wallpaper, I got on a plane, and then it was a six-hour flight, and that is what really did me and in. And the ears just yeah, popped the, ears, the whole way through. The ears went, and then after <laughs> that, it was that was when the sinuses were like, "Hey, buddy, you're not you're not going anywhere." Oh dear lord. Well, um, there is a lot that is coming up in yes. in the dance calendar, yes. and and actually probably just in the next ten days. So um, we're gonna we're gonna blitz through that real quick. First up, starting um, on Friday, uh, which is the nineteenth. And Saturday the 20th is Alberta Ballet's Dynamic Directions, which yes. is three new-ish choreographies mm-hmm. by um, Wenwei Wang, Azure Barton, and Yukichi Hitori. All three who like I really like. One, two, three for cool. Western choreographers with yeah. big names. One has the key to the city. Azure Barton, Azure Barton was given a key to the city by Mayor Stephen Mandel a so number of years think ago. Think about that podcast yeah. audience. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, Monday. well, so uh, yeah, so that's that. And then Monday. Monday we have uh, Requiem, which is an interesting collaboration of the uh, Tony uh, Oliveri's uh, dance company and a parkour dance company. Yeah, it's called Fly Free Movement. And the Edmonton Metropolitan uh, Choir, Edmonton Metropolitan Chorus, Icaristi Chamber Choir, yeah. and the Edmonton Metropolitan Orchestra at the Winspear Center. Yeah, at the Winspear, uh, one night only. Yes. Um, uh, the, yeah, this wonderful mix of, of movement and Mozart and parkour, which I can't stress enough, Mozart and parkour. Yeah, well, and, to- and Tony Olivares is uh, the all-male dance company that started up, I think, three, maybe about three years ago now. Yeah. Um, and uh, they've performed at the Winspear before with the Edmonton Metropolitan chorus so we're actually going to get to see them this time yeah and then and then lastly lastly happening this week um february 24th to 27th at the tim center we have uh, broken sound squared with squared being the number two in the math mm. sense being presented by the brian webb dance company uh presenting brian webb and uh and a collaborator yeah uh brian webb and gary james joins uh we've um gary james joins had a great exhibit at latitude 53 uh, a few years back that had to do with um, the actual uh, shape that musical tones make. Right, so at a certain frequency, using mm-hmm. sand and frequency. Uh, and I and think it was called frequency. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> to, to shape the, just seeing what that tone, how that tone would shape uh, the sand and sort of seeing the visual representation of different tones and different sounds. 
Yeah, and there's um, it it does note that there's very limited seating for this uh for this performance. So they are actually running for four days, right? Which um, is unusual for dance for a dance show. Yeah, and so um, and it's also um the I think the third time that we've seen Brian perform, Mr. Webb perform Mr. in the last Webb. six months. Yeah, even like uh, he did a he did thing uh, something as part of Chinook, and then mm-hmm. you know he's uh he's been popping up. Uh, he popped up a couple times last uh, at the end of last season in in Nancy Sandercock's show. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Frost Flowers Arctic Death Machine and uh, we're in a, in a um, Megadeth t-shirt. Yes. And then there was the one at the U of A, the, the, um, the, when was yes, the, the, the installation, yes, the, the installation, the body in question. The yeah, body in see, question. you remember these things. That's good. <laughs> yeah, something's working through. <laughs> and, then, and then, of course, that expanse, which we just talked about in the uh, previous episode. And, um, uh, yeah, and so now he's um, in Broken Sound. So you can check that out. It is at the Tim Center, February 24th to 27th. Uh, also, one more thing that is happening this coming weekend is City, City Ballet, Edmonton's own ballet company, um, is performing Emotion, February 19th to 21st. Um, also at the Tim Center. And now this is, uh, it's a, a trio of pas de deux. So there's pieces from Romeo and Juliet, Moulin Rouge, which is um, uh, an, a ballet by Jordan Morris, their mm-hmm. choreographer, um, or their new artistic yeah, director, yeah. and Cyrano. Um, also, there's one called Love Articulated, a new work by um, Kira Kiglovich, and I probably pronounced that terribly yeah, wrong, but she's a new she, she's a new choreographer um, and is working with City Ballet. And there's just so much dance to see this yeah, weekend. It's, it's, a, it's truly a feast time for, for dance. <laughs> a feast, a feast of February. Right, and, and we'll be back <laughs> talking about some of that stuff in our in our next episode real quick yeah all right everyone um go watch some dance and stay healthy oh god stay healthy <laughs> bye-bye i don't get it is a podcast produced by Poblino, fonda mithrush and andrew paul it was recorded in a blanket fort in the tall house on alberta avenue in edmonton alberta our website is i don't get it you can follow us on twitter at i don't get it dance and you can also subscribe to our podcast on itunes our theme song is mountain time by ghibli follow his music and check him out at ghibli.bandcamp.com